evidence and answers. In this present age, God will allow good and evil to coexist. However, there will come a day when evil will have run its course, and then Christ shall come to judge evil and establish his kingdom. Christ, the prophets, and apostles warned of God's coming judgment. God's judgment on evil is part of the gospel message. However, few Christian leaders preach on God's coming judgment, even though it is taught throughout the Bible. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. The last time we were together, Pat began a message entitled, Judgment Day is Coming, taken from Revelation chapter 14. Today, he will conclude this exciting message. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire, sulfur, in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image, whoever receives the mark of its name. Now the third angel announces judgment upon the fallen world who have embraced and worshiped the beast and follow his false teaching. Now the word you see there in verse 11, who worship and receives the mark of its name. The verb there for worship and receive there is in the present tense. In other words, they have been worshiping. And the Greek word there for receive means to gladly receive, to gladly embrace. They have been doing it for a long period of time. Okay, they haven't been fooled into this. All right, they have chosen to reject God and worship the beast and embrace and buy into his false ideology. This is something they've been doing for a period of time. And what is their fate? It says they are tormented forever and ever. Double emphasis. Their torment is for all eternity. All right? There are some who teach annihilationism. All right? You suffer for a little while, then you're annihilated forever. But if you read this text and other texts, the punishment of those without Christ is forever and ever. It doesn't come to an end. And it says, they have no rest day or night. Now, one thing you have to understand, judgment is part of the gospel of the kingdom. Before the kingdom comes, there is judgment. That's part of the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ. We don't hear too many sermons today, right, on sin or God's holiness, or God's justice and righteousness, or hell. You don't hear too much of that now, do you? It's not politically correct, okay? You know, 30 years ago, church historian Martin Marty delivered a message at Harvard Divinity School titled, Hell Disappeared and No One Noticed. A recent Pew Research study revealed that less than 10%, less than 10% of sermons preached in evangelical churches today Never mention hell, sin, salvation, or heaven. Less than 10%. And with critical theory now running rapid throughout our culture and in the church, the job of the pastor now 
is not to preach the whole counsel of God's word. His job is to preach messages that will not offend anyone in church or anyone watching on video. The worst thing he can do is to preach a message about judgment or holiness that, that may offend one person. And if that complaint comes in, and we shut down, you know, we change, the, you know, we, we're not preaching that anymore. Right? And pastors are being censored as to what they can and cannot preach. Well, our life application is this, folks. The judgment of God upon the earth is part of the gospel of the kingdom. You look at Jesus, the prophets, and the apostles when they preach about the kingdom. What precedes the coming of the kingdom is judgment day, the judgment of God upon those who have not repented and turned back to God. Remember in, in Matthew chapter 3, when John the Baptist came preaching, what did he say? He said, get right with God, repent. The kingdom is at hand, judgment is coming. He said, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire means judgment is coming. Get your life right with God. It would be unloving if we did not talk about judgment to those who will one day stand before his judgment seat. Right? So judgment day is coming. And as we look to God's day of judgment, Christians are called to persevere and overcome evil. Verse 12 through 13, he writes, Here is the call for endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, for they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. In light of the judgment that is to come, the saints are called to persevere and endure and overcome evil. All right, the first part of verse 12 says, here is a call for the endurance of the saints. And the whole second part of that verse tells us how to endure, what it means to endure at this time. The first, it says, those who keep the commandments of God. To endure, number one, means to keep the commandments of God. Now, the Greek word there is terao. It's used ten times in Revelations, and it means to follow. It means to obey, to guard and defend the truths of God in a world that has chosen darkness over light. And the second part of enduring is to keep the faith in Jesus there. The term keep the faith, it's a common Greek expression for maintaining loyalty and allegiance to your leader. And this is the call for the saints here to endure, to keep the commands of God, to live holy lives, and to remain faithful and loyal to Christ. And as the Bible says, repeatedly throughout the Old and New Testament, those who live lives dedicated to God, who are going to live holy in an unholy age, shall face persecution. Right? In our day, it may come through criticism or peer pressure of some sort or isolation. But in this time, many will suffer the ultimate sacrifice of martyrdom. 
for their faith in Christ. And, and God says to those who die in Christ, they are blessed. They shall rest from their labors. What a contrast to the unsaved in verse 11 who are tormented forever and ever. They have no rest day or night from their torment. What a contrast here. You know, and as false teaching continues to spread throughout the culture, the church and the people of God are called to endure, to keep and defend God's truth, no matter how unpopular our message may become. Unfortunately, you know, our culture has embraced false teaching very quickly. Romans 1 makes it clear. When you turn away from God, the source of truth, you quickly embrace false ideas, which eventually lead to immoral living and the eventual destruction of your nation or culture. And unfortunately, the false teachings of the culture come into the church. And if the church is not careful with leaders who are biblically grounded, that can come and sweep in to your church. Look at Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Of the seven churches, five are overrun with false teaching. Five are in a state of apostasy already. Okay, so we need to be careful. Because what was once understood very clearly just few years ago as sinful behavior contrary to the Bible is now accepted as acceptable behavior in the culture today and in many churches. You know, for example, a recent Pew Research poll shows that 54%, the majority of Christians who claim to be Christians at least in church, believe the gay lifestyle is an acceptable lifestyle. All right, so if you believe biblical marriage is between a man and a woman, in the church now, you are a minority, right? You're not a minority in the culture, we know that, but in the church as well. I know because there's many churches where I, I may mention it, and I get accosted by the people in the church, okay? So our application is this, we're called to faithful endurance because difficult times are ahead. False teaching will dominate the culture and will infiltrate God's church. What was once clearly taught in God's word, many now consider hate speech. So my exhortation to disciples of Christ, especially to those who lead God's people, be prepared to stand for God's truth. All right? Because it's going to get a lot harder and you're going to face a lot more criticism, so you better know the Word of God and be ready to take your stand. That's why throughout the New Testament, the apostles exhort us to stand firm in our faith in Christ. 1 Corinthians 16.13, Paul says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And that's the call of every believer in Christ, living for Christ in a dark age. And that's the call for every believer and leader in Christ. And you're very fortunate that we have leadership here willing to stand for the gospel even if some of the truths from the commands of God may not be so well received. Remember, we preach the truth and we preach it in love. 
and the truth will set you free, or for those who don't want to hear, it will offend. Jesus was the most loving guy that walked the face of the earth. No one more loving than him. But he preached truth in love, and he did it better than any of us ever could, and he offended, and he ended up on the cross. All right, so we preach the truth in love, and for many it will set them free. But we have to understand in a dark and fallen world, we're going to face criticism many times for those whose heart is hardened against the truth of God's word. And the final section now deals with the execution of God's judgment upon the earth. It presents a frightful picture of God unleashing his righteous wrath upon mankind who has long provoked God's anger. The final section deals with the execution of God's judgment upon the earth. We see in verse 14, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. That, folks, is Jesus Christ. He's seated on a cloud with a golden crown, and he has a sickle in his hand, meaning the time of judgment has come. He is ready to execute judgment here. And verse goes on to say, And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. The phrase here, the harvest of the earth is fully ripe, means final hour of judgment is long overdue. All right? God has been very patient. And judgment, his judgment upon the earth is overdue. This Greek verb ripe here means it actually has a bad connotation. It means to, to become dry. All right? So the picture here is of grapes which have become so ripe they've begun to dry up and wither because their day of harvest is long overdue. And then it says, another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, and the angel who has authority over the fire, and he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, put in your sickle and gather the clusters of vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. Now, this word ripe here is different from verse 15. All right? It means that the grapes are fully grown, prime, bursting with juice. It's just waiting to be cut down. And it says, So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress, the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. So the grapes are thrown into the winepress here and trodden down. This is a picture of God's judgment finally being executed upon the earth. And we're going to read as Pastor Randy goes through chapter 19 of the final battle of the great day of Armageddon. This battle fought around the city of Jerusalem here. And it describes the bloodshed. It's going to be immense. Verse 20 says here that the blood 
spreads for 1,600 stadia, that's 200 miles, up to a horse's bridle. All right, that's about six, six and a half, seven feet. Now, so this bloodshed will spread for 200 miles. Israel is 160 miles north to south. All right, so this could be describing a river of blood up to a horse's bridle. I don't particularly take that position. I believe it's talking about the spattering of blood, okay, that goes throughout the land, not only Israel, but beyond her borders. As judgment is executed, blood is splattered on the walls, and it says, up to a horse's bridle. Now, in this age, God will allow good and evil to coexist. But when evil runs its course, judgment is coming. Okay? God allows evil to run its course. And when the time is right, when it's ripe, when it's bursting for judgment, as grapes of a harvest, God's judgment will come. Remember in Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the wheat and the tares. A farmer plants wheat an enemy comes and throws weeds into the field. And as they're growing, the wheat and the weeds are there entangled together. And the farmer says, let them grow up together. And at harvest time, we'll separate the wheat from the chaff. The weeds will tie them up and we'll throw them into the fire. Good and evil will be allowed to coexist at this time. But when evil runs its course and it's fully ripe, God's judgment is coming. You know, back in the days when I did uh, MMA, not anymore, okay? I'm an uh, old man now, so don't challenge me or anything. But back in the day, there was uh, a guy, Tony. Tony was kind of a big, burly guy, and uh, he was a pretty good stand-up fighter. And whenever we did stand-up, he always, you know, shot his mouth off at everyone. Now, trash-talking is okay, because trash-talking is kind of funny right? You know, I'm going to send you home crying to mama or whatever. You know, it's kind of funny. But he didn't do trash talking. It was denigrating. It was demeaning. He was putting the guys down. Some of us, like me, my left hip was going at that time. I couldn't kick as high. Uh, and other guys who were older weren't able to kick as, as flexible anymore. And he was always just putting people down, putting the young kids down. And I talked to Tony after class and I said, keep it up. Your day's coming. I said, there's always going to be someone bigger and badder than you. Keep it up. We would always wait for jujitsu day because when it came to grappling, he wasn't as good. But every time grappling day came, Tony would always grapple with the ladies. You know? And so we could never get our hands on him. We just wait. I mean, and so his judgment day was a come in. All right? He was ready for the day of judgment. Well, one day grappling day came, and Tony, I think to impress the ladies, said, hey, Andy, let's roll. And I kind of looked over surprised. Tony's grappling with a man? Whoa. And Andy, of course, was an interesting choice. Andy is shorter than me, but Andy's arms are the size of my legs. All right? I mean, Andy went on to be a cop. But I think the reason he picked Andy is because Andy's a mellow dude. Andy is Chinese. He doesn't say much. He's real gentle as a teddy bear. Nicest guy you'll ever meet. And so they were grappling, and so we're all grappling on the ground, and suddenly I hear, <laughs> and I look over, and Andy's got him in a full-on choke. And, you know, eventually I think Andy realized, uh, 
he had him, and he was really choking him out, and, and then all of a sudden, Andy kind of let go. And Tony rolled up in a, uh, you know, on the ground like that, uh, and he was rolled up against the wall, you know, like that. And uh, I looked over, and I said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Well, anyway, I lined up everyone because class was done, and Tony is still up against the wall, lying on the ground. Uh, and I said, you know what, why don't we uh, run a couple laps to close the class? And they're like, we never run laps before. And I said, too bad, you're running. So I had them run because, you know, if you run against, you're supposed to run around the whole room, they would all have to jump over Tony, you know. But instead, they, they were all nice, and they ran around him. And I yelled at him and said, hey, no shortcuts. Run around the whole thing. And they just were like, you're so mean, you know. And anyway, anyway, I lined everyone up, and the master instructor comes in, and he sees Tony still lying on the ground, uh, and, he, and he yelled at him, get up, get up, you know. So Tony gets up, and he lines up, and we bow out, and we go. Well, Susie comes up to me, and she says, you know, you're the senior spokesman here. I, th I think you ought to talk to Andy, because he needs to be careful. We don't want other people to get hurt around here. So I said, all right, Susie, come with me. Let's talk to Andy. So a Andy is with everyone outside in the foyer, packing up their gear and everything. And I go, I go up to Andy, and Susie's next to me. And I said, Andy, as the senior member in the ranking belt here, I want to talk to you about what you did to Tony over there today. And Andy, you could tell, was scared. He goes, hey, he didn't tap. He didn't tap. So I, I kept choking. He didn't tap. And I said, Andy, next time you got him in a choke like that, wrap your legs around them, okay, and then roll on your back and sink that choke in really good, okay, and, and you can pull on his nose, and then you get the choke in really good, choke him, and everyone kind of looked, you know, because everyone in the four years listening, they're all looking, and they're like, you're so mean, and she, I said, good job, good job, Andy, you're the man, and as he began walking out, Susie, you know, had her hip, hand on her hips, and she goes, aren't you the chaplain, what kind of Christian man are you, and I said, hey, I kept warning Tony, and he wouldn't listen. And today was judgment day. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I walked out. Anyway, so. <laughs> what a great, no, never mind. <laughs> terrible, terrible, huh? And then, but, you know, it sure felt good. No, just, but we got a, a day of reckoning coming. Okay? We've provoked God's anger for too long now. All right? And he won't remain patient and gracious forever. His day of judgment is coming. So the lesson we learn is this. God will allow evil to run its course. And at his appointed time, his judgment is coming. And all the prophecies of the Bible have come true. Hundreds of them. And so his return and his judgment are sure to come to pass. So let me close with these words, with these final thoughts. Number one, God's judgment should raise our concern about those whom we love who don't know Christ. Right? It should heighten and motivate us to share the gospel with those who don't know Christ because we're going to all stand before his judgment seat one day. Second, God's judgment day gives us hope because we know evil will come to an end someday. It's not going to be like this forever. Evil shall be judged and the righteous will be rewarded. And in the end, 
God will have his way at the end of the age, and he shall be triumphant. Let's close in prayer together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Sobering words that we heard today. And may this motivate us to share the gospel with ever greater fervency, but may it also give us hope, knowing that you're coming to make all things right. And in the end, because you win, the people of God are victorious as well. May this hope inspire us each day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to partner with us, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Zucran.